0: Well a very good evening to you and um, welcome to St John's Downshire Hill uh, for this uh, conversation this evening, this COVID conversation, the fourth in a series that we've been doing. My name is Tom Watts, I'm the Senior Minister of St John's Downshire Hill and I'm really uh, delighted to welcome Andrew Barnett um, who's with me here on screen and uh, joining me this evening from Watford Um, but uh, during uh, the day he works uh, with an organisation called London City Mission um, uh, in the area around Grenfell Tower and the subject of our interview this evening is race, racism, Covid and Christ and we're going to be exploring a number of uh, issues that are kind of hot topics uh, at the moment for, uh, for all of our society and um, obvious, obvious reasons in the news and things. We're going to be exploring some of these things and thinking particularly um, what it means as Christians to respond to these things and what Christianity says um, in, in the light of these things. If you want to ask a question, I'm going to be asking lots of questions, um, but if you if you want to ask a question um, a bit later on, do start putting things in the live chat. And if we can get to some of those later, we will certainly uh, do that. And um, uh, if you've got you know something that arises from what we talk about or, or something that we haven't talked about, please do um, ask now. Uh, let me say hi to Andrew. Then um, I, uh, you want to you probably need to unmute yourself. Um, <laughs> that would be a good start, Tom. Yes. There we go. Welcome. Thank so, Andrew, why don't you just introduce yourself a bit? Tell us a bit about yourself.
1: Okay. My name's Andrew Barney. Um, I work for London City Mission. That's an organisation that's been going for the last one hundred and eighty-five years, and. Um, our vision our aims is to seek each and every opportunity to proclaim the good news of the gospel of our lord jesus christ um, sensitively and um, respectfully with care to those who we share it with
0: great and um tell us you know how long you've been working with them and, and um you know a bit more about your background and things
1: okay i've been working with london city mission for the last two and a half years my background is I've grown up in South East London in Peckham. Um, I went to junior school there and I went to school in South East London in Deckford. I grew up mum and dad, a good family life, you know, plenty of activities, plenty of things to do. Travel out to the seaside, go on holidays. Um, we have got a lot of family members, cousins, aunts, uncles. So the weekends was fun times, you know, I was, I was one of four siblings. And um, yeah, there was quite a lot of things to do, and it was really fun time. Some fun, good memories. Really, and, time, yeah.
0: And um, t- how did you come to faith in the midst of all that?
1: Um, how I came to faith, I came to faith in a prison cell. That that my Damascus Road was when I was in um, Cardiff prison at the time. I was um, convicted of a crime, and I was awaiting sentence. I had a Bible in my cell at that time, reading it for comfort, um, drawing on Psalms, reading. A Nigerian person actually came into my cell, you know, he was going to be my cellmate, someone who was going to share that cell with me. He was coming in in the evening and when he came in, he saw the Bible, he saw me on the top of my bunk bed and he presumed that I was a Christian. His words were, I'm glad to be in a cell with a Christian (laughs) and he said those words and at that moment, my Damascus road, God revealed himself to me. I jumped off the top of my bunk. I jumped down and I said, "Now I believe in Jesus Christ. I do know whenever I leave prison, whenever I finish my sentence after being sentenced, I will be going to church. And then my journey started from there. Then I realized, you know, um, there was a Christian in the cell next door to me. A Christian had entered into my cell. So that was my journey for the next um, few years while I was in prison that i um, the Lord helped me to learn who he is and who I am in him and um, the life that he had given me as a new creation in Jesus Christ. So that was my conversion point. I didn't grow up in the church. Um, my mother was a Christian. You know, she became a Christian some years earlier. I do know she had been interceding and praying heavily for me. There was times when I rejected her prayers and... Um, pamphlets she would give me telling me about jesus christ i mean to me i I was not interested in that at all but you know i was pretty much in a dark place where that all didn't make sense to me it was if she's happy that's good for mum i'm glad for her but for me no
0: and yeah yeah, that's a a, wonderful to hear that, that story and how does that impact you as you go about your work now? I mean, tell us briefly, you know, what, what are you doing, you know, in those in that community around the Grenfell Tower area?
1: Well, I mean, how it impacts me. I really believe that, you know, how can they call on him in whom they've not heard? How can they hear unless somebody's sent? So um, that scripture really speaks volumes to me. And being in the North Kensington area of the Grenfell Tower region where a lot of people have suffered hurt and a lot of people are try, still trying to process what happened and you know they're looking for justice. It's a very diverse community as well, a lot of people from the Middle East, many people around Europe and, um, you know, African, Caribbean, English, Irish, you know, um, so there's a diverse mixture of people within that community. My work is connecting with the church in the area that I'm church place based, and I support them by training them in ways of to share with their testimony. Bath can glorify God. Also, I trained them to knock doors where they'd come out with me and we'd go to houses consistently, our local neighbours, and look to develop friendships. So, you know, I do that on a consistent basis, knocking the local neighbors' doors, through doing this ministry, I get to meet people, develop friendships with them, look for ways to contextualize scriptures, to speak into their life, hoping that they hear some form of good news. Um, I take time to have coffee, have tea with them, I pray with them, I journey with them through life, and the aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. As a minister of reconciliation, Also, you know, um, with some people that I meet, you know, I have one-to-one Bible study. I run a group called Catechism, where it's a series of answering questions and then finding the answers in the Bible. I partner with a church sometimes on a Friday. I used to before it was lockdown, where on a Friday night, we'd go out to Ladbroke Grove and we'd play the gospel out on the streets. So um, while there is lockdown at this moment in time, you know, we have to find creative ways whereby... Mm do things online bible study
2: tickets, yeah, um, and
1: so forth and and i will say as well tom um as i said there's a large middle eastern culture within north kensington nagbrook grove so you know it's important for me to take time to get to know them and um you know, really find ways to develop good friendships with them so I can share the gospel with them as they're coming from a Muslim background. And I do that with one of my colleagues who I work with. What we do, we have community meals. So the friends that we meet, we invite them to come to the church in a room and, you know, we put on a meal where, you know, my, my co-worker I work with, you know, they're, they're Persian, Iranian, so they cook some lovely dishes, and we sit down and we eat some lovely food together, and we'll use that opportunity to share the gospel, you know, to share testimony, to tell our stories, and, um you know, pray with them. So um this is some of the work that we do down in North Kensington. Yeah.
0: Right, it was wonderful to hear. So, I mean, you know, we've all been horrendously shocked by the, the news of this, of the death of George Floyd um, yeah. in America. Um, I mean, tell us what, how you felt when you heard that news. When I heard that news,
1: to be honest, the immediate reaction, I think I saw it on TV. Yeah, I did see it on TV. I didn't watch all of it. I saw it, didn't watch all of it. Why? I've seen that too many times. Hmm. Um, the black experience of our history, you know, is, is seeing things where black people are brutalized, you know, they, they they you know, they're treated very bad, and that can be really hurtful. It triggers emotions and it really saddens and it really angers, angers a person. Well, it for me. So when I first saw it, I didn't see it from start to finish. I could see what was going on, but I didn't see it from start, to finish. I thought of Eric Gardner and all the other countless other black who may have been videoed and being shot and killed, you know, blatantly being murdered. It's not a film, but blatantly being murdered on TV. And yet still there usually has not been a conviction. So um, it's hard to view really, but you know, the feeling is something that throughout my years, And most black people we have to learn to process it and live with it because Mm. we do voice our concerns in one way or another but you know as you see to this day most of the times um it seems like you know justice we know we will get justice from our lord one day eventually we will have justice but we cry for justice in the land right now but um my feeling is one of this pleasure of of many things tom yeah Mm many things. And, you know, it's even something now, I suppose, where we're all talking about it and um, really reflecting on what's happening. Mm. It causes me to really reflect how have I dealt with this over the past years, because I found a way to cope with it, to deal with it. And um, I need to process. How am I really processing it? Then it reflects more so now I'm a child of God. So how do I use opportunities to speak to help to try and get justice mm,
0: mm. thank you yeah yeah thank you and i mean tell us you, you know if you're happy to share are there experiences you've had of you know intentional or unintentional racism in, in your life particular examples that um that, that, yeah that you're happy to share
1: um i've had some incidents before where I've been driving in a car and I've been on a roundabout. Another white male has been driving in a car and we've passed each other and I've heard him call out to me the N-word. So we shouted that, you know, that to me. Um, I've also been walking down Watford with my wife maybe seven years ago. I'm not quite sure because it may not have been blatantly but I am pretty sure it did happen. I'm sure a car pulled over and someone said the N-word again and they drove off but I wouldn't say it was shocked but I was really, mm. you know, right, I'm, I can't swear I heard that, but I'm sure i heard that, right? Mm. So those was intentional. When I was young again, probably under 11 years old before I started some secondary school, in my house in Peckham, my neighbours, they had come to move into London in Peckham from Tunbridge Wells. And they had siblings and we, you know, I had my brothers and sisters, but one of the males my age, he used to come and play with me. And I remember we was playing in, um, in my house, but not actually in the house. We had a shed built outside, you know, was a large enough size shed where we could put things in there. And my mother had an hairdresser, so she, my mother had a hairdryer, it was one that stood up and you just put the thing over your head. So right. we used to play with that, you know, we used to play like we're in a time machine, a time machine and we reappear in a different land or something. I remember he came down, he goes, oh, I'm in, you know, so he, he, he called it N-word, he said, I'm in the N-word land. At that time, I was very young, but, it, you know, it stayed with me ever since, you know, right. I was an adult right. and I just think the ignorance, I mean he was a child, I was a child, but I'm just presuming his parents come from Tunbridge Wells. Mm. Imagine like what their household would have been like that a young boy can pick up and say these things. So I probably would consider that his parents would have um, used tones that are really offensive. And I will say now, where I'm living in Watford, my two neighbours at night time, probably about one or two o'clock in the morning, me and my wife were sleeping in bed. It may be a Friday night, Friday or Saturday night. It was in the summer a few years back and we heard our neighbours coming in. it sounded like maybe it was with a friend or something and we heard them speaking a lot of derogatory tone towards us, you know, as, as mm. neighbours.
2: Mm. You know, mm.
1: they, they'd come from a drink and it was coming in, but I heard that. It was like, I oh, woke and I thought, really? Mm.
2: Mm. Mm. And
1: I mean, when we come out our door, they'll smile in the face all the time. They'll do that. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, they do that. And then likewise, my other neighbour on the other side, likewise, again, smile, be pleasant. But I remember we had a black builder building a partition wall in our front garden. And um, we left him there, myself and my wife, as we was working. But he told us they started picking on him and everything and bullying him. So, um, yeah, that's some of the intentional and unintentional um, Yeah i of had, yeah. Some of them, yeah.
0: Thank you, and and I guess you know one of the things we're that, that, you know we're being made aware of is um, you know that, that um, this COVID nineteen thing seems to be affect disproportionately affecting people yeah. from BAME <laughs> backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you know what, what do you make of that? You know, what what do you think's behind that?
1: Well, to be, to be outright, Tom, i just say it's, it reflects a systematic racist system. That's what it does, you know. It, mm. it's, it's systemic. It's, it's, um, it's embedded in um, colonialism, in slavery, and um, it's systematic. I mean, organisations, corporations, we see it in schools, in prisons. We see it all over. So that's where it's embedded. I mean, my mother came over to this country from Jamaica in the 60s. And that's because Britain welcomed them.
2: Mm.
1: Welcomed people from the Commonwealth come over. They welcomed them to come over and do these jobs. Mm. Mm. It wasn't like they was running to say, "I want to go there."
2: Mm.
1: You know, they were welcome to come over here to work on the buses, to work on the tubes, to work in folds, to work in, in the NHS. So my mother came over and done that. Um, it was only just the other day, sometime this week, I was hearing Tom. I was hearing a report, right, that um. Some, some black people were saying, you know, they have gone for interviews and they had BAs, degrees, they had qualifications for a role for a job, but they're telling stories of white counterparts who didn't even have the degree, but were kind of told they've got the job before even they got the job.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: People of colour overlooked. I'm talking about senior positions because we know right now we have so much people of color from, from South Africano people, from Philippines, from India, from Africa, Caribbean. We have so much of them come over, and they still come over there to this very day to work in the NHS service. But in terms of progressing up the ladder into senior role positions, there, you know, systemic systemic racism is there because um, a lot of them are denied that opportunity. And we need people of color in these positions to to challenge the status quo and to advocate and stick up and to speak for justice if there's just one group of body speaking for justice
0: so one answer behind that i guess is that the, the, the because people are being kept out of these higher level jobs they're then more on the front line they're more exposed to the virus and um it's it's that sort of um, consequence. Yes. That's one of the consequences of this sort of systemic racism that you're talking about. Is
1: yes, and and I say that from first hand experience. I mean, I heard about it when the news came out about um, you know, people of color, you know, being vulnerable and and four times higher rates of dying right before their white counterparts. I spoke to a nurse and thought, what do you think? And yeah, you know, she told me she experienced that, but she told me in her role, she would stand up and, and refuse to go into certain situations where she considered that she's going to be vulnerable, where there was mm. personal protection equipment for her. But um, it seems disproportionately that they are putting people of colour in places where they will be vulnerable to catch mm. COVID. 19 and and i think yeah that that's evident and it's a shame again when the report has not even come up with something conclusive you know for why this is happening but of course you know they have reported that now
0: thank you so i mean let's think a bit about what what then does the bible and christianity have to say about race and and also about racism
1: i mean you know myself brother you know me we both have our same father you know so we know you're you're my brother you know and um so so you know that. I mean, God tells us in Genesis, it's very clear, you know, God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. So we know God created male and female. God created us uniquely in his image. Mm-hmm. But of course, you know, we, we, we fell from that. And we have as well, right, another reference in the Bible, Acts chapter 17, verse 26, tells us, And he made from one man, Adam, from one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places. So whichever part of the globe we come from, God allotted those dwelling places. And he done that, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Mm. yet yeah, he's actually not far from each one of us. So he's not far from each of us. Mm. Mm. But um, he made man from one race, so, so we know that. So we're all part of the human race. Mm. And um, I'm sure you probably know about history, Tom. We know race in terms of categorising people in colours. That is something that came in many centuries ago. Mm. So, you know, we, we'd have to look at that. Mm. Why is that brought in? Mm. That, by a, a dominant culture at the time mm. to categorise people of colour to probably justify a, a race, a, 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 not justify a people of colour, so they could continue taking advantage, because that's what we see to this very day, and that was centuries ago. Um, yet still in the Bible, it goes on, right? We know this is what God says about race. We know, right? Um, so Moses, Moses was a Jew, a Hebrew, an Israelite, right? Moses was there. We have in Numbers chapter twelve, verse one, that Moses took for himself a Cushite woman or an Ethiopian woman. He took a black woman for his wife. So black people in the Bible mm-hmm. which we earlier on, mm-hmm. and we can see a bit of probably you know people having a bit of um, you know being unhappy to see someone take someone of a different complexion from what they are. We see a sister Miriam. She was complaining about Moses' authority, right? But we know God was pleased. He was all right with Moses and what Moses done because he brought judgment down on Miriam because Miriam was complaining about, is Moses the only one that God speaks to, you know? But we know God was pleased with Moses' decisions. All right, we go on to see in Acts chapter 10, verse 15, and the voice came down. Now, we're talking about Peter. Peter again now, Peter was a Jew yeah and like the jew usually separate himself from all the other races figuring they run clean but jesus christ has come down and he's broken down that barrier of division but you know peter still in that mindset you know that he's of the superior people with god but god had to show him a vision god had to give him a revelation in acts chapter 10 verse 15 and the voice came to him that was peter a second time what god has made clean do not call common and, and God is talking about all people, all races, all right? You know, so what God has made clean, all right? All people are welcome to come into his kingdom, no matter who you are. So when God sees race, God sees his beautiful creation. He sees his wonderful diversity, knowing that when we come together, we really glorify him because we have different cultures who do things, who does things in different ways. We have people who express things in a different way, but the wonderful blessing in that is that if we can come together and just experience some of that, because God made us the way he did. And I do want to touch on as well about race, um, Tom, where mm. the Bible has many references to, to Egypt, to, to Cush, to Ethiopia, to Syria, um to many 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 people which is you know by tribal terms by calling these places ethiopia and so forth so we know the continent of africa is mentioned many times in the bibles it really is but unfortunately where we are today we are in a place where the bible seems eurocentric it seems to be painted as in like dominant with one part of the globe where africa the gospel came from we can see it's an erasure of, the, you know, it's erased, um, you know, the pictures and things that contribute to other cultures and colour of people. So, you know, we know we know God loves his creation. He really does. And, 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 and there's another picture again for, you know, what God thinks about um, the race. Um, Acts chapter 13, verse one, we see a wonderful multicultural church in Antioch. Mm-hmm. We see people of different cultures together in leadership. And finally, you know, um, we will see it one day, you know, hopefully we can reflect this image here on earth. But Revelation chapter seven, verse nine, every nation from all tribes standing before the throne of God, before the throne of the Lamb. So that's every nation from all tribes and peoples with all languages. So it's not just one language. Hmm. So we know God values each and every divi- each and every individual, race, F mm. group, and person of color, God mm. values them. God mm. does not play favoritism.
2: Mm.
1: Mm. God-, God loves his creation. He really does. And-, and-, and as a child of God, likewise, I love God's creation. God mm. tells me that the next person that doesn't look like me, who believes in Jesus Christ and their Lord and Savior, that is my brother or that is my sister. Mm. Or mother or my father Mm. god's family we're god's people this is what god teach me and that's god's word god's word is the final authority Mm. anything covered in that is not of god
0: Mm. thank you and you sometimes hear people say um you know because of all this that means we should be blind to color you know if we're united in christ why talk about color and race at all i mean what's your response to that
1: Well, again, Tom, colour is something unique and wonderful. I mean, that's absurd, really, Um, blind to colour. I have to see your colour and I have to appreciate you, Tom. I really do. You know, as I said, um, I, I know you're seeking to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ in every way, you know, in all that he's called you to do. I have to appreciate you. I have to value you. Tom, I have to listen to you and know because we have two different complexions, right? You probably might do things slightly different from me. So I have to see your colour because you do have a skin colour tone. So yeah. I appreciate that. I mean, I walk up to you. I can't see your colour, Tom. That's ridiculous, right? Yeah. You're human being flesh and blood like me, but you do have a different colour skin tone. I have a different colour skin tone. And I told you what, people of colour, black people, we do not want people saying right, that I don't see your color. Because Mm. for centuries, people have been seeing our color. People Mm. have been Mm. discriminating against us because of our color. So no, do not say, I do not see color. Mm. See my color, appreciate my color. Mm. Give me the opportunity to experience my color, my culture, and my expression of who I am, because God has given me this unique right to mm-hmm. see my colour, as well as I see everybody else's colour. So please, that's, that's ridiculous. Again, mm-hmm. if I want to say I don't see colour, that means I'm not going to see a beautiful sunny day when the sun sets, when the sun rises. So I'm not going to discern between a beautiful sunny day and a grey gloomy day, because yeah. I don't see colour.
0: Yeah, thank you. That's that's so helpful, really helpful. And um, I mean, we've heard this wonderful vision of you know everyone gathered around the throne. You know, anyone who's trusting in Jesus on that last day of all different nations and races and colors, equal before God, united in Christ. Um, But what about? I mean, lots of people say, yeah, but there's lots of things that've been said and done in the name of Christianity over the last 2000 years, which go directly against everything you've just been talking about and have led to racism, whether we're talking, you know, churches for black people church and, you know, separate churches for white people, or whether we're talking, you know, Christians who were slave owners in times gone by and, and other examples I'm sure that, that, that we can think of. But you know, what, what, what do you make of that then?
1: As what I make of it, Tom, I do know that the Bible tells me whatever I do, do all to the glory of God. Um, this is actually 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, 32, right? So whatever I do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or Gentiles um, or to the church of God. So I have to consider, you know, um, as you said, right? Some people who profess the name of Jesus Christ, who profess their, God's people, the church, they have done things that I don't believe has glorified God. And I think it has been offensive to another group of people. And it's been offensive to God's church. First and foremost is God's church is the bride of Jesus Christ. So, um, you know, I think we really need to examine ourselves as, um, I believe, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, tell us, examine yourself. Do you not know that Christ Jesus dwells within you? So we really need to examine ourselves and um, we need to, you know, take God serious at his word, because um I think for too long now, for a very long time, you know we we know back in the medieval times where the were well, sorry, with the Catholic Church and so forth, and Protestant come forth, but um you know there's been some great errors, and um I do know God will not be mocked,
2: mm.
1: he's going to reward each and every man according to their work. And I also believe um, to whom much is given, much is is required, right? And um I think I've been given a lot. So as you told me, he's been he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is a lot. Mm. That's a heavy mm. weight. To be to be an image bearer of God, that's a that's a heavy weight, that's a lot. He's given that. So um to misrepresent him as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, wow, you know, I would quake. I would personally quake when I read those words in the Bible because I know one day I will stand before his throne and um, I would not like to hear that, you know, go away, I never knew you. So God knows those who were his, he really does. And um, I'm displeased with people that takes and use the name of the Lord in vain. I'm displeased with those who have tried to justify slavery from using the Bible in a way that makes them feel, you know, they're justified. I know history as well, that in America particularly, I know that they've taken scriptures out, you know, so they're giving the Bible in part. And, you know, the Bible tells you if you take out, God will take away from you. If you add, he will add to you. So I'm not quite sure about those who are the theologians at that time, you know, to really, these things and to think that the church is not standing up and they're not speaking out against these things is yeah. really shocking and um i know again exodus chapter 21 verse 16 tells us right whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of that person who was stolen shall be put to death i know that's old testament but we Oh, God does not support that. We do see slavery in the Bible, but maybe it's a term where a person sells themselves or a man can sell, you know, his daughter or so forth. But there's a time when they can be redeemed. But mm. mm. the term of slavery, in terms of brutalizing a people mm. and um, amputating their limbs for profits, mm. does it profit you to gain the wealth but lose your soul? So um yeah, it's mm. a terrible thing. That is not God. And it does happen today in various ways where people take the name of the Lord in vain and they do things. But, um, you know, um, yes, God, we worship him, we worship him in spirit and truth. And um, I would say to anybody out there listening, do not let that put you off,
2: Hmm. you know,
1: the living God, the eternal God. There's only one God and a person can only be saved Hmm. by one name and that's the name of Jesus curse a person cannot be saved by any other name in heaven on earth or under the earth you can only be saved by the name of Jesus Christ by putting your trust in him and believing that he died for your sin and you do that God himself will seal you with his Holy Spirit and reveal himself to you you will know the truth and the truth will set you free and by reading God's word he will reveal himself to you and Fortunately, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you know, we do go through suffering and persecution. But um, we have the hope that one day we will be with him. And he has a wonderful inheritance waiting for those who overcome. So, um, Tom, like yourself, yeah, I'm really saddened by these things. But, you know, I think where we're at now, the church needs to stand up. The church definitely needs to stand up and they need to speak. We cannot, yeah. face it we cannot see evil going by and keep quiet. We can't do yeah. No.
0: Thank you. And I mean, it makes me think, you know, as I reflect on the failures of Christians in times gone by, it makes me realise actually it's quite likely that we've got our own blind spots now that, you know, we, it's very easy to look back with hindsight and say, isn't it dreadful how they did all these things in the past? But what are our blind spots here mm-hmm. and now, you know, wh- whether it's with regard to racism or with regard mm-hmm. to other issues as well? Mm-hmm. But, you know, wh- why do we think we've all got it got it mm-hmm. right? <laughs> there's a question here just coming up in the chat and if anybody watching wants to put a question in we've got another few minutes so so put in a put in a question but there's one here that says um what what in your view can white christians do to make the bame community feel more welcome in a predominantly white church you know not every church is predominantly white but some are particularly in this in this country um what so yeah what, what do you think about that
1: Thank you, whoever it is that posts that question. So I'm grateful for you posting that question. It's it's really encouraging that you are asking these kind of questions. And um, I I would say, I mean, just be yourself, you know, be yourself. But, you know, if you are a child of God, if you are an image bearer, you know God's word. And um, God is not a respecter of persons, right? He doesn't show favoritism. So... You know, it might be difficult to really identify with somebody who looks different to you. But be yourself and in your heart, just try and say hello. Try and go out of your way and greet them, you know. That will speak volumes to them. Just go and try and say, hello, I'm such and such. Try and shake their hands. Just try and do something.
0: We're not allowed to do that at the moment, but we will,
1: yes. Yeah, it will make, yeah, yeah. All right, you can't do that now. But, you know, any other way, try and do that. And I think, again, now it's just to be conscious. We need to have empathy and compassion. So a lot of people are hearing the Black Experience story now. I think, how can you not have empathy or compassion? Like, let's, let's turn the clock. If it was... You know, our white counterparts in, in this situation, we heard of the brutality and the things that are going on. Personally, for me, as a Christian, and to know that they're my brothers in the Lord, I couldn't stand by and just turn a blind eye and keep quiet.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I couldn't, I'd have to find a way to speak up. And then, you know, again, just try and reach out in any way. And it's okay if you get it wrong. Yeah. But Main thing is like you're making a conscious effort to figure, Okay, you know, I want to try and show this person that, you know, we're not all like this. And we know everybody's not the same. We know that. We're not saying that. And we're not trying to make people feel guilty. We are just looking for justice and equality because Britain, we speak about this all the time. But a lot of people know you're just using that word, but we Don't. don't. Yeah, so um, the person who asked that once again, you know, just just try, if you see someone, give them a smile, you know, just give them a smile. If you have the opportunity, say say something. And um, don't worry if you get it wrong, even if they don't respond the way you might expect them to respond, right? But, um, you know, I, I just say, God bless you. You're doing a very good thing. So I encourage you to do that. Again, it is very warm and encouraging, I will say to me as a black person, if I see white people step out and do that, it's, it's warm. It's, it's really nice. It, mm. it, and I do have a few people do that, but I'm saying to you, it's really nice because sometimes you figure you have that little battle in your mind still. You look and you figure, you know, yeah, but well, this is what I've grown up with. White people step apart. You know, they, they look at me as like I'm not their equal, you know, and um, they seem to don't see me sometimes. So when one steps out and they do something, it's very warm and nice. You know, it really is encouraging. Yeah. Mm. Oh, so thank yeah. you for answering that question, Dundam. Um, yeah. Don't don't fear, you know, perfect love cast out all fear.
0: (laughs) And um, how would you encourage people to respond, you know, more generally to issues of racism and and inequality at the moment and generally?
1: I would say, you know, what you're doing now, Tom, is wonderful and um, at this moment in time, there's quite a few seminars, interviews going on where you have black and white discussing the issue of race. I myself, I'm part of a group with um, four white males and four black males, where none of us knew each other, but we're all believers in the Lord, and we've all set up a group, you know, via WhatsApp, and then we set up a Zoom meeting on a Sunday morning, and we started where, you know, we told our experiences to just say, you know, what we've experienced, and then, you know, along the way, we're asking some of their experiences, which is very helpful as well to find out what shapes them to think the way that they think and, you know, um, Mm. so I would say, you know, empathy and compassion, right? Empathy, you know, and um, try and put yourself in someone's shoe knowing that because the colour of their skin, they are having some more difficulties just based on their skin tone and compassion, you care about them, they're a human being, they're created in the image of God, just like yourself. So if you can, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure we are, but if you can try and have a conversation and ask somebody, tell me, tell Mm -hmm. me. And, And even be open and honest as well, you know, search yourself and consider that, you know, have I contributed to a systemic system have I played a part in that as well where I have denied people opportunity or I may have looked down on people as, in the, as if they are lesser a person than me? So mm-hmm. just reflect and, and search your heart and see. But I really encourage you to engage in these kind of conversations. I think they're yeah. And I think there might be quite a few people out there listening right now. And, um, you know, I'm speaking from my perspective, but at the same time, I believe I will speak based on a lot of other people of colour, black people's experience as well, though they might want to add a bit more or less or so. Mm-hmm. And, and likewise. So, um, yeah, I do encourage people, you know, in whatever situation they are in, right, Um, display, display love. And um, what the Bible tells us, right, In mark something, right, but, you know, the first commandment, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the first commandment. And if you love God, you are going to respect and appreciate all that God has created, and you're going to do things to your utmost to please him and be yeah. faithful to him. The second is like this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm. If you love yourself and you appreciate yourself, if you know that God loves you, you have value, you have worth, that's where your identity and your peace comes from. That's where mind comes from. Mm. If I love myself, and I love myself, I'm content with myself, I really am, with all my faults, my dysfunctions, you know, not reaching the standard of what society expects from me, but I love myself, because I know God accepts me, God made me the way I am. I'm at peace with who I am. So if I'm at peace with who I am, I do have a love for other people. Obviously, that's lived out in the way I communicate with people. And you would have to see if I reach out to people who are not like me. Do I take time to listen to them and see if I can do something for them? So I'd encourage you, you know, more so as a believer, step out right and, and, and display. Um, faith without works is dead. Hmm. You know, show me your faith. I'll show you my works. So listen to your works. Let's see your works of faith to display that you love your neighbour like yourself, despite their colour, complexion, ethnic group. And understandably, it can take a while because we grew up in environments where we might have been distanced from people who are not like us. But again, I will encourage you. um, Show me your faith and I'll show you my works. Show me your works and I'll show you my faith. So do step out right, and um, glorify God. Step out and glorify God.
0: Right. Thank you. Um, How do you, a question coming off of the chat again, how do you respond personally when you experience racism directed at you as a, you know, as a Christian? What is your response to that?
1: I mean, as I said, this is a time of reflection, um, Tom. I was speaking with my wife the other day and saying, I don't think I've had any real blatant intentional racism in my face. And she probably figured maybe, I don't know, i I cannot remember any blatant... I hear some of my fellow brothers and sisters, you know, talk and said they've heard people right in their face saying some real horrible things and I'm mm. reflecting and figure I haven't really had that blatantly in my face. Mm. Part of me say I thank God, you know, mm. especially before I was a Christian because I figure if I wasn't a Christian, when I wasn't a Christian, if I did hear that really in my face, um. I don't believe I'd really act in an amicable way. So I thank God. And as a Christian now, I can say, I can't really reflect right now and saying, I can remember any blatant racism brought to me in my face. I might see covert racism, you know, where I really have to question. Yeah, have done that. You know, I've had things yeah. where I figured that um, people are portraying an image on me, like I'm a perpetrator or you know they're expecting me to fall in line with their thinking and their culture rather than appreciating me i've had those things and i've had people say things about me where i'm thinking no that's not so that's not so but it's Mm -hmm. easy you know as the media and everything write things about people black people of color that they do these things that if you say that it might seem easy for people to believe but um Tom, I can't really say right now. I mean, if that was the case as well, I would, you know, at the same time, the Bible tells me to pray for my enemies or or do good to my enemies and pray for those who persecute me. So it's God's word. Mm -hmm. This commandment is to be faithful to the Lord. You know, I want to be found obedient and faithful. So despite somebody say that, you know, I know... I, I remember I think in the Old Testament King David I remember when Absalom his son he, he ran him out of Jerusalem and he was leaving and um, I forgot the person's name Shimei or someone but he was cursing him and saying things and I think one of David's commanders, Job said let me take off that dead dog's head you know cursing you and saying David said what is it to you if God allows him to say these things to me mm. so you know, David was in acknowledgement that God is sovereign and you know, if he's saying this, you know, um, you know, what is it to do with you? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. All things. Jesus is preeminent. He's over all things. Yeah, he's above all things. So, not that I must accept if somebody racially abuse me, but if that was a cold, calm case, I did. De- it depends on the situation. You know, sure. maybe I have a dialogue, or I- I'm not sure. But thank God. I don't think I can reflect right now being in that situation, but somebody mm. was to come up and say that it would touch me emotionally, it would hurt me. But mm. I would trust in the Lord God would lead me to deal with that situation in a way that glorifies God. Mm. Mm.
0: Thank you so it's much. Yeah, so uh, here's, here's the final question, then, which is again off the chat. Um, you know, if somebody is reflecting for themselves and is realizing actually, um, there are ways that I have acted in a racist way, whether intentionally or unintentionally, and they 're kind of going, "Oh my goodness, you know I need to change, I need to be different what What, what would you say to that person what, what What can you do in the face of you know realizing that about yourself
1: I think that 's fine because we we all inherit sin from adam, so that that 's fine you know and i um, I know i 'm a sinner and um Part of my prayer is, is is repenting on a daily basis, you know, for, you know, presumptuous sins, sins that I know I'm conscious and aware of, and even maybe sins that I'm not aware of, right? Because I know in this tent, in this body, you know, there's, there's always a battle going on. So I would say that's a good start. At least you've acknowledged it. I would say if you're a believer, do repent and confess your sin to God and cry out to God and ask him to help you, helping to make you aware of your actions, your thoughts and how you can overcome this battle and, and, you know, step out by faith and try and connect more with people who don't look like you, connect more with people of colour, connect more with black people, that hopefully if you do have inrooted sin, you would hopefully come over it, because you are connecting and engaging with them. And though I've known as well, sorry Tom, I've known quite a few people, and I've heard stories even in this group, where white people connect with black people, they socialise with them, but behind closed door, they still say derogatory things. But in this case, I'm thinking, if there's a Christian, right, confess it, it's fine, you know, that's sin, do that, just confess it to God and ask him to help you, and as I said, step out and walk by faith by trying to meet with more black people, people of colour, try to engage with them and see that they are only people like you, creating God's image, beautifully and wonderfully made, and likewise, I mean, if any audience are out there, they're not at that place yet where they come to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, just know, Would you like somebody to discriminate against you? Would you like somebody to look upon you because of whether disabilities, you know, the skin color of your tone or for whatever reason, do you think that's right consciously? Mm, mm. And, you know, you may not be the prime minister, right? But you have influence in whatever remit or realm you are living in with your neighbors, with your family, with your friends. So stand up and do what is right. Mm. Country, to Mm. be... Britain, to get back to a place where it's Great Britain, that will only happen when the country unites with everybody that lives in this country. Mm. Embrace everybody and do us right. You will see this country will be great. And it's the same with America. While there is divisions, it's never. it was never great America. People deceive themselves because obviously they stamp their authority on a, a people and oppress them. But you're only going to be a great place and a great country when you unite with the people in the land because they will value you, they will appreciate you, and they will support you. So mm. it's okay that you have these thoughts, but root them out because um, you know, it, it's not pleasing unto God and it doesn't make your life fruitful and profitable. It really doesn't.
0: Andrew, thank you so much. Thank you for pointing us so clearly to Jesus and to you know the forgiveness that we have in Him, as you've spoken about so powerfully in your own life. And you know it's available for anybody um, as we struggle and we all we all sin in different ways, as you've been saying. We all turn our backs on God in different ways. And thank you for for just pointing us to how Jesus' death brings together people who um, have turned their backs on Him and then have at, at war with one another and fought and. Mm-hmm it's jesus who brings us back together so we 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 thank you for for this evening thank you for sharing uh, so humbly and clearly and willingly about these things which are not easy to talk about um and there's often a lot of fear around talking about these things um but I'm so grateful to you doing that and so grateful to you then challenging um us to um to listen more, to, to, to especially to people of colour, and um, but generally to one another, to, to, to listen and hear each other's experiences, um, really appreciate that um, challenge. Um, to anyone who's watching, if you want, we are running a little um, course called um, Christianity in a Nutshell for the next three Tuesday evenings, and if there's anything that's been said tonight or over the previous COVID conversations, and you think I'd like to have a chance to to kind of talk back and explore and ask questions in a bit more interactive way on zoom. Um, Then join us on Tuesday evening from eight o'clock. If you email me um, and my email is Tom at sjdh.org, Tom at sjdh.org. You send me an email. I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to welcome you onto that course. And we're just sort of covering the very basics of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to, to trust in Jesus and follow him. Lots of the things that Andrew's been Pointing us to um, so wonderfully this evening, um, and uh, do catch up with any of the other conversations you've missed on our website sjdh.org. Um, Andrew, thank you again. Um, really grateful for you joining us. Um, it's been fantastic, and there's people on the on the chat as well, um, just expressing their their gratefulness for you um, for being here with us this evening. No, um, thank, you. Thank, yeah.
1: thank you, Tom. Thanks for the invite and. Um yeah thanks to the audience for their questions and
0: yeah of great thank you pieces of solution definitely great well that's uh, that, that's it then thanks so much for watching and um, see you soon